So let's turn to Psalms 96. That's where we're going to kind of be today. And um, I know I told you the wrong one. Do you have it? Psalms 96. I wanted to do my other psalm. I think that's why I was so, I told you. So Psalms 96. Okay. I don't know if I turned there for her, but. Um, and in opening, I'm just going to say this. Um, the glory of God is ultimate. Um, there's no higher cause to give your life to than the spreading of God's fame on this earth. You want to go, what, what should I live for? Live for the glory of God. We, that's an old catechism, right? Um, live for the glory of God. Now, when I think of the word glory, I think it means it's all that God is. It's his beauty, his love, his power. It's what makes him go, you're like, whoa, this is God. It's his awesomeness. The glory of God is the sum of all his attributes going public for all to see. This was his purpose in salvation. Ephesians 1, 4 through 6 talks about even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace in which he um, has blessed us in the beloved. He chose us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. Isaiah 43, 6 through 7, I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who's called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. They were created for the glory of God. This is why we exist, that God might display his glory through us. Isaiah 42, 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory, I give to no other. God is serious about his glory. He is jealous for it. Um, and so this idea that C.S. Lewis says, once thought God's desire for his own glory sounded like an old woman desperate for compliments. Is that selfish? Or could it be that God's desire for his own glory is that like the doctor in a third world country who has the cure to a deathly disease and this doctor puts up a billboard with his face and, and phone number to save all those who cannot save themselves? Or could it be that God's desire for his glory is like the star NBA player who drives his Ferrari into the projects because he genuinely loves the children there and wants to spend time with the kids for their own enjoyment and pleasure? God's self-exaltation is different than human self-exaltation in that by exalting himself, he is not distracting us from what is ultimately satisfying, but displaying it and inviting us into that enjoyment of it, John Piper says. God is the only being in the universe who self-exaltation is the greatest form of love. So Psalms 96, oh, sing the Lord a new song, sing the Lord all the earth. Sing the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare the glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, for he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord. O families of people, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory, do his name. Bring an offering, come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established and it shall never be moved. He will judge the people with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. 
Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his fullness. In Psalms 96, we see three different um, commands to display the wondrous glory of God that people might come and see him for who he truly is. Sing the glory of God, verses 1 through 2a, three times the psalmist says to sing. Singing is really the overflow of emotion, is exuding praise to God. We are to sing a new song, a fresh song. It's the idea that God is inexhaustible. We have a new reason to sing every morning, Lamentation 3, 22 through 24. The steadfast love of the Lord, what? Never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. The Lord is what I need, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. New, your mercies are new every morning. Mercy meaning you're not getting what you deserve. God isn't counting your sins against you. So who is the saying? Verse one says all the earth. People from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, all ethnic peoples of the world, the psalmist commands the whole world to join in this song. Verse 2 says, bless his name. The song is to be a song of worship. The content of the, the content of the song is worship. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, Psalm 67 says. Tell the glory of God's salvation, verses 2b and 3. Tell of his salvation from day to day, his marvelous works amongst all the peoples. I love the language, marvelous works. We forget that the gospel is truly a wonderful and marvelous thing. Literally, angels are amazed that God would save us. To some degree, we are, we who are made are a little lower than the heavenly beings. The heavenly beings are tripping that God would save us. I I sometimes want to, I stop and I think about that. The angels are like just tripping out thinking, God saved you? God is keeping you. I mean, when you think about what they've experienced, you know, having a third of them, it's just, okay, you're done. And kicked out of heaven. He's like, God saves that guy right there. Wow, what a God. This is a command to tell and declare the glory of God's gospel to the world. This is what we were created to do. We were created for this. Why did Israel exist? They had crossed the Red Sea and God was consecrating themselves to himself. He was establishing them as a people, and in the very foundation of who they were, um, he says that they are a kingdom of priests. What's the role of a priest? To stand the gap between God and the people, right? To communicate for God to the people. Israel was to display God to the world, to all the nations. It was what they were created for. What about us, the church? 1 Peter 2, 9. You see, um, the same language, it says you're a royal priesthood. Why? That you may proclaim his excellencies, his glory. We as a people of God are called to stand in the gap and declare the glory of God to a world so desperate to hear it. This is our identity as a church. This is why we were created to be a mouthpiece of a marvelous God who has done marvelous things. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. Do you think your sanctification is only about you? Sometimes I think in the church, we feel that way, that it really, you know, it's your personal thing with God. It's just about us. But God has saved you really to be his mouthpiece to a lost and dying world. Or do you think your sanctification is about something even greater, a witness to the glory of God to everyone in the world that they marvel that God would save you? 
Again, the scope of this declaration of the gospel is to all the ethnic peoples of the world. Verse 3, his glory amongst all the nations, among all the peoples, every people, every ethnicity, every socioeconomic group, every language, every neighborhood. Declare the glory of God's reign in verse 10 through 13 says, among the nations, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns, Isaiah 6, that God is on his throne. He reigns with righteousness, equity, and faithfulness. There's an urgency to our message. He reigns, yes, but he is coming. So verse 13 says, for he is coming, he is coming to what? To judge and to make things right. So my friends, set your mind, it says in Colossians, what? On things above where Christ is seated. I often wonder what that really looks like for the church. How, how, do we really see the need to talk to? I, I look at my neighbor as I get outside and I look at my neighbor and I go, wow, that's a nice Audi. And then he has these three beautiful, like two classic cars in his, um, in his garage, in the Ducati, you know? And I'm like, do I see that he needs Jesus? He has everything that the world kind of has to offer. Do I see that he needs Jesus? Do I want to declare the, the marvelous, you know, wonders of God to this man who has things that I'm like, man, I would love to have that Audi. That's a beautiful Audi right there, you know, and that Tundra right there. That's a nice Tundra, you know, I don't need it, but it would be nice, you know, and then I can get lost in that. And I have to think about what am I created for? Why did, why would God save me? And cause me to live where I live to see this man. And then I start to think about, man, you know, he's divorced, his family is now split, and all these things. And 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 I can go to him, we have these great conversations. And am I using that opportunity to talk to him about God's love and how God, you know, wants him? Or do I just think, well, you know, you have some nice things, man. You got everything that you really kind of. Yeah, your wife, but you got a girlfriend, and she seems somewhat cute, so it's all good, you know? So what, are, what am I living for? There's a song that this world is dying to hear. That is the song of the redeemed. I do talk to him about how I am a broken individual as well and how God came and saved me and rescued me. Or do they see me just, oh, I know you're that good kid who has, you know, a beautiful wife and two kids. And, okay, that's nice. And you, you're driving a Beamer too. So, you know, that's, that seems nice, you know. And you live in the same neighborhood. So you've got it together. I've got it together. We're good. I like, and God has really came and restored my life in amazing ways. I was headed for hell, but God came in and rescued me. And I was, you know, I told you guys before, I was the church kid who just knew all the right Sunday school kind of answers. And I just like, did I even really need God? And I came to know God at the age of 16 while on a mission trip. And um, on a mission trip in Albania, and God was just like, you are a horrible, wretched sinner. And I was like, No. No, that's the people I'm here to talk to, you know? And, and literally, my story is so funny because I um, was playing the Jesus guy, and they spit on me. The crowd did. They wanted my hat, and I was like, dude, I'm not giving you my hat. Like, you know, step off. And um, he spit on me, and I was like, what? And so I was just enraged and wanted to just, to, you know, tear into this guy. And the guy goes, no, 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 you know, we, we, um, we pretend to spit on you and kick you. And I'm like, keyword, you pretend. If you did that in real life, I would knock the living daylights out of you. And he's like, dude, this is, 
I'm like, what? This guy. So I refused to play Jesus, and I left. And I was like such a spiritual punk, right, in my mind. I was like, oh, I'm kicking the, the dust off my shoes. I'm leaving. You know, I had all the right biblical kind of answers. And, man, you know, I'm, I'm out of here. And, um, and so my understudy played Jesus for that scene. And then they were just like, what in the world? I just remember I didn't have a love for God at all. It was better for me to be the Christian kid who knew, had the Christian answers and just played church, you know. Um, but I didn't have, God was so far from my heart. And I remember just, and they came back and I was like, oh, how was it? You know, and I was, my mind was like, well, it wasn't that good. I wasn't in it. So how, how was it? You know, and this understudy you had, you know, second Jesus, you know, that wasn't very good. Um, there's a reason you're the understudy, dude. And so, um, like, oh, it was great. And these people came to the Lord. And I was like, what? That's impossible. I wasn't playing Jesus. I wasn't singing. How is that possible that they responded to you? And God in his, what God does, just like, I don't need you. In fact, I would use someone who clearly isn't a great, you know, good singer to represent me. You, your heart is so far from me. You play a great church game, but you don't really know me. And so in some ways, it was like this whole psalm, the sense that, man, my song wasn't very new. Um, I didn't sing for the Lord. I sang for myself. I was on display for the world to see. And God came and was like, ah, I want you to think about your own wicked heart here. And then later on, I didn't get saved right away. You know, I didn't like, oh, I need Jesus. It was like, you know, no, I'm still good. And, um, and then later, it was one of those scenes where um, I just did not like reading my Bible, which, you know, I don't think most pagans really do. You know, I just did not like reading my Bible at all. And um, it was like, oh, we have these devotions. Man, why do they make us do this? And so I do these devotions. And when I didn't fall asleep, this Muslim kid was just enamored with me, right? And he was just like touching me, you know, touching my black skin, like, does it come off or something? And, and he was just, you know, looking at my watch and, and all this. And they had told us things like, you know, you're the unclean infidel to these um, Muslim people. And if they, if they touch you, you know, you're unclean. So you're messing up their whole, you know, their, like, their sense of worship and all that kind of thing. And so this leader grabbed the kid and started beating on this kid. And I've been this tall since I was in eighth grade, 100 pounds lighter, but I've been this tall. And so I was like, I'm going to whoop this man. I mean, he's clearly hurting this kid. I'm now going to stand up and beat this kid. So my friends come grab me from attacking this man. And that's like when God was like, you know what? You are a wretched, horrible sinner. And your life has nothing to do really with loving me. And it was the first time that I was like, and this kid is getting beat because he touched the unclean infidel, which is you. And so you're not Romans 12. You're reading Romans right now and your, your little Bible say that you barely want to read and you aren't, you know, transformed in any way that the Lord would be pleased with. And I remember just breaking down, just being like, the first time I recognized my own sinfulness before a holy God. And I mean, I grew up in church. So I mean, I, I knew the church game. And it was one of those things like, whoa. And God is coming, it says in verse 13, to judge. And I'm like, and you will stand before him and he'll say, I don't know you. 
And just because you have a form of righteousness that looks, you know, or goodness that kind of looks right because you just don't. It was better for me being the church kid, you know, just to kind of do churchy things. I just got more out of life that way. My parents were pleased with me. Just life was easier that way for me. And so I learned how to play that game. And so I love when I have a song like this that just, man, just says, man, sing a new song, sing a new song to the Lord. Why? Because of what God has done in your life that I desperately needed a savior to come and rescue me. And then God, as he rescues us, he says, I'm going to now allow you to be a testimony for the rest of the world to see, not your sense of goodness or greatness. They're going to see how far you really are and that I love you. So when the angels are marveling at the fact that God would save, they're like, you're you sure that guy? You want to save him? Like, that guy's a punk. That that is true. That's part of my story. And it really is true of every, every one of you that claim to know the Lord. That is true of your story, that God would save, come and rescue, powerfully rescue you out of the domain of darkness. And you were created now to display his glory as only you can do to sing a new song. And I always say this when I come here, that you guys get to display that in your Sonoma area where people are so content with all that they have. From what I know, I don't know much about y'all, but what I do know about Sonoma, is a lot of San Franciscoans live here because they don't want to live in San Francisco anymore and they want to live here, you know? And, um, and they're like, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll drive up an hour and I don't have to be near San Francisco and all the filth and dirtiness there. But I can get my house and all these amazing things now. And you get to be neighbors with individuals that desperately need to know of a Savior that loves them and a Savior that died for them and a Savior that has a plan for them. So I pray that is true for you. I pray there's an urgency to your message. So I'll just simply close with this. You might have to do this whole Psalms thing again because I only did a couple of verses there for you, Paul, sorry. Um, you, my friends, were created to sing of God's redeeming love. Your life is the testimony. You were created to sing of how God has made you a new creation. You were created to sing of God's wondrous glory. Your life is amazing love song to God and by God. And is that true of you? Um, it says in verse eight, ascribe to the Lord, glory do his name. And I pray that is true of our lives, that it gives God glory. Amen. Father God, we thank you for the fact that you are alive and well, that you are reckoning your people to love you more, to serve you more. We ask that you would just do what only you can do and that you would restore our lives, that we could display your power and your love. And we thank you for the fact that you um, are not finished with us yet. So we ask, Lord, that you would just continue to make us new, make us more and more like your son. In your precious name we pray, amen.